It's time for the IHSA Safety Podcast. Hey, Martin. Uh, welcome back to our uh, discussion here on uh, the, the CORE podcast. How are you doing today? Oh, not too bad. I'm glad to be able to talk about uh, this one. Element 7. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, preventative maintenance for all those who don't know. And it is a bit of a notorious element. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's it, there's mostly a, a bit of misunderstanding in this element as to what exactly preventative maintenance means, um, what exactly we're looking for in the core uh, internal audit like for a submission. So mm-hmm. um, it's definitely one that... Um, <laughs> I hope a lot of people will listen to this and, and get value out of this conversation that we're going to have. Um, so, Marin, I think that you do a good job of explaining, um, I guess, the um, the flow of this element and, you know, how we start off and what we're looking for. So um, maybe before we jump into each specific question, uh, maybe you can give us a little bit of, a, you know, a story as to how this element uh, flows and, and what we're looking for. Yeah, for sure. I think most of the clients who have uh, dealt with me in the past will be familiar with with me talking about the storyline of an element. I really like to think about most elements, all elements, in terms of the story that you're trying to tell. The more you think about them as sort of a path through the element, I think the more you can consistently deliver a a clear image of what your company is doing. Mm -hmm. And if you're sort of thinking about each question in in isolation, they start to take on subtly different meanings than they do in the storyline. So when it comes to something like element seven, I really look at it in terms of, you know, you're starting with taking inventory. You're looking at what you need to address. Then you move on to identifying the needs, the specific maintenance needs, Mm -hmm. creating a process to address them, and then finally verifying that you're doing that. Okay. So what, how, and then show us you did it. Right. These are the kind of storylines that you're really working through as you present the different answers to the questions in this element. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then we're going to go through each individual question um, and what it's asking for, what the intent is, and uh, what you should be providing as evidence. Awesome. Okay. So again, this element starts off with a um, statement uh, that is forms part of each uh, each question in the element. Mm -hmm. So uh, first statement is, or this statement is, uh, does the company's preventative maintenance program for facilities, tools, equipment, and vehicles include an inventory of items to be maintained? Excellent. So with 7.1, I'll, I'll start off by sort of acknowledging that that statement that goes ahead of, of everything here. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's just the key in there is to make sure you're, you're sort of noticing that it does say facilities, tools, equipment, and vehicles. So we're looking to ta- address all of them. Exactly. Yes. So throughout this whole element, do make sure that you have a program that doesn't leave any of those out. Because yeah. if you're sort of systematically ignoring, I guess not ignoring, but not considering (laughs) one of those items, um, it's going to have an impact throughout the entire element as you're trying to answer these questions. Okay. But then digging a little into the specifics of Mm 7.1, and we're talking about an inventory. So this um, often tempts people to create an inventory of all sort of company assets. And we're not really looking for a full inventory of of assets. We're looking for an inventory of the things that do require preventative maintenance. Mm -hmm. That's not going to be all items. Yeah. 
So the way to figure out which items that is, is really to dig into your manufacturer's instructions for the things that you have Mm -hmm. um, and to explore your, your facilities requirements as well. Um, When you're digging into this stuff, don't forget to consider items that are rented and leased as well. Mm -hmm. You want to have a program that considers both the things you own and the things you have on a more temporary basis. Right. But one of the big distinctions here as well is the concept of preventative maintenance when compared to a pre-use inspection. So it's really important for Element 7 to sort of recognize the distinction that we're making between preventative maintenance and pre-use inspection. Mm-hmm. They are considered different things and pre-use inspection is is considered because it is a valuable piece of any health and safety management system, but it's considered in our element nine workplace right. inspections element and it doesn't do much for you in terms of scoring when you apply it to element seven. Right. So when you're thinking about preventative maintenance, really think about consumables. So the things that, that use stuff up oil changes, greasing, filters, tires, brakes, the kinds of things that you're changing or applying when when you've hit some sort of threshold and not because something's going wrong. Right. And and I think that, you know, you know, as I said, there's just some misunderstandings or or misconceptions uh, in this element. And I think one of the things that people often confuse the preventative maintenance with is, as you said, the inspection. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when if you start off thinking that this element is about, you know, let's say vehicle inspections or something, um, and you just start submitting, you know, vehicle circle checks and and, and stuff like that, um, it, it doesn't address the key issue of the preventative maintenance on That's the vehicle, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, the circle check doesn't really prove anything in the way of preventative maintenance. So it's definitely key to understand, as you had said, that um, you should be looking for things that are, you know, service related, right? The consumables like oil, how mm-hmm. often does that need to be changed? You know, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so important to wrap your head around that to start this element, because mm-hmm. if you can get sort of those two things sorted out, which can be a challenge, mm-hmm. um, then you're going to be in better shape for for progressing through the element. Okay. Okay, great. Um, so question 7.2. I'm not going to read the full statement uh, every single time because it's a little bit uh, lengthy. Um, but does the pro does the preventative maintenance program include um, the use of schedules and checklists as required? Awesome. So for this one, you know, in terms of my storyline, when I said, you know, the first thing we do is take inventory. Mm-hmm. Well, that was pretty clearly addressed in 7.1. Mm-hmm. 7.2 is where we uh, identify the needs for maintenance. So 7.2 is when you're going to dig into the manufacturer's instructions and really capture those preventative maintenance requirements that the manufacturer is laying out. You can include for this different kinds of evidence, things like even samples right from the relevant sections of the manual for your equipment Mm -hmm. or company created summaries of that same information. We're looking for three samples for three different um, items that would be facilities, tools, equipment, or vehicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these should be things that appear on your inventory because if if they're able to be captured in 7.2, they certainly should be captured in 7.1. Right. Okay. So uh, when you're talking about checklists then, uh, what exactly are you referring to? Because again, uh, we often see people um, submitting inspection checklists here. Oh, really good point, Stacey. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about this here. The The use of the word checklist has led to a lot of issues, I think, here. 
um, with this question. So again, we're not looking for a pre-use inspection, which is often what the word checklist kind of leads to us getting here. We're looking for schedules or checklists of the preventative maintenance requirements. So for example, if we were talking about a skid steer, mm -hmm. you might have a checklist that shows the service that's required at 50 hours, 250 hours, 1000 hours. And so you're basically just outlining the details of the specific requirements. What is required when? And so that may just take the form of a schedule. It may take the form of a checklist. Mm -hmm. And that's really the intent of the word checklist in this question. Right. But you you should be obviously using something that you're going off of to mm -hmm. refer to um, when you need to do a certain maintenance items. Exactly. Okay. Um, 7.3. A uh, preventative maintenance program that has provisions to ensure manufacturers' maintenance guidelines and or regulatory standards are being met. Excellent. So at this point, we've taken an inventory. We've determined our needs. It's time for us to develop a process to make sure those needs are met. That's what 7.3 is about. So you want to provide evidence here that there's a system in place now to ensure that those schedules you showed us in 7.2 are met. You're going to provide us with three samples again to tell us the story about this. But do make sure that it's three samples for the same equipment because the more consistent your story can be mm -hmm. in telling one storyline, the easier it's going to be for us to verify. So if you gave us a skid steer, a pickup truck, and uh, a piece of fall protection equipment in question 7.2, why not look at those same things here in 7.3? Right, and just to carry it through. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, in terms of um, evidence for submission, um, would some sort of internal spreadsheet be sufficient here? Yeah, I mean, we see lots of different systems with varying degree of sort of formality associated with them. I've seen spreadsheets done, you know, an Excel spreadsheet. We've seen specific tracking software. This is sometimes done through the manufacturer with, with sort of cloud-based systems. But really the key is that you have something that is a permanent record. Right. On occasion, I've seen tracking systems that are something like a, a, a whiteboard posted on a shop wall that's keeping track of the most recent service on something mm -hmm. but that's not something that can be kept long term right. and so that's not really the kind of record we're looking for right okay good point whiteboard might be uh, a little too informal <laughs> 7.4 uh is maintenance being performed as planned awesome so now we actually get to prove that we're doing what we said so this is the question where you can show three examples, three consecutive examples for the three items you've been telling us about in 7.2 and in 7.3. So if I grab the skid steer that I was looking at in 7.2 and 7.3, and it talked about 50 hour service and 250 hour service, I'd be wanting to make sure that I'm showing the examples that demonstrate that we hit those consecutive marks. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so yeah, if we're talking about the example of the skid steer, um, now we'd be looking for, um, the service records to confirm that this maintenance is being completed at the correct intervals. And, uh, what could we accept for that? Yeah. So really, um, it's, it's anything that tracks what was done and, and can be compared to that schedule requirement. So let's consider a vehicle, something that we're all 
a little bit more familiar with, mm-hmm. um, we would want to see three examples of the service you perform on it. So this is things like oil changes and, mm-hmm. and filter changes and making sure that they're happening at the correct kilometers. I know on my personal vehicle, I can be guilty of rolling over a little bit more than the oil change threshold. <laughs> no way. <laughs> But when it comes to those company vehicles, we really want to see that there's a system in place to try and stop those kind of things from happening. Yeah. So I I know um, in some audits that I have done personally that, you know, the uh, organization will submit a manufacturer's um, uh, requirements that show an oil change is required every 5,000 kilometers. Mm -hmm. Um, But then the service receipts that they provided shows that the vehicle was serviced at like you know, um, 10,000 kilometers and then maybe 12,000 kilometers. Um, and I wasn't able to, you know, award the scoring there because obviously it's not showing that the maintenance is being performed as planned. That's right. And I always tell firms that when it comes to your company program, it's better to undershoot than overshoot. Mm -hmm. So you're never going to get it done at exactly 5,000 kilometers on the nose. Yeah. But maybe you can think about in your process, some threshold before that that sort of maximum threshold is mm-hmm. met where you encourage people to get those oil changes performed right for sure and you know with some depending on what the situation is but you know we we know that you know with a vehicle we can be a little bit flexible it goes over a, a tiny bit you know it's not a huge deal but when you're consistently going over by you know four or five thousand kilometers then you're obviously it's not being performed as planned yeah and i mean i think you you hit on something really important for the core audit there as well stacy mm-hmm. is that concept of uh, sort of ratios in your evidence if you know one or two of these these records that you have in a given year went over by a small margin that has a very different significance in terms of scoring than every single one of them mm-hmm. went over. So when we're looking at a lot of things in the core audit, you really have to look at the, the consistent effectiveness of the system mm-hmm. in operation rather right. than the outliers. Okay. Um, and then I think one thing um, that I just wanted to mention about these these couple questions is that, um, as you said, like whatever... whatever um, pieces of equipment or tools or whatnot that you you selected for 7.2. So originally you had said um, maybe they selected a vehicle, a skid steer, and a fall protection harness. Mm. Um, if those are the three items that you've selected to, to provide evidence for, then that's something that you want to carry throughout um, question 7.2, 7.3, mm-hmm. and 7.4. Yeah. Um, and I do believe that it's specifically stated in the core handbook that... Um, you know, you need to carry those three pieces out, three pieces uh, throughout those three questions. Yeah, it really helps us because it, it it's not really possible for your reviewer to validate whether you're doing the maintenance as planned mm-hmm. if we don't have that evidence from 7.2 and 7.3 where you tell us the plan. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, great. Um, question 7.5, does the organization have uh, records that are stating corrective actions have been taken? All right. So this is the first point in this uh, element where we're actually talking about repair. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the other common mistakes that I see with some of the earlier questions is is that they primarily address the concept of repair and corrective action mm-hmm. rather than preventative action. Right. So 7.5 is, is sort of the first one here where we're actually talking about repair. Mm-hmm. When things do inevitably go wrong, break, uh, this is examples of those repairs being carried out um, and, and corrective actions taken 
and that these would be hopefully done in a reasonable time frame. Okay, so um, so talking about you know the corrective actions and, and repairs, this could be something if we're referring to a vehicle. Um, this could be something like a flat tire being identified, mm-hmm. um, and then providing here that um, providing proof that it's been uh, corrected. Absolutely. And and proof can be something as simple as, as an invoice stating the repair. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is probably the first question where I'll say, you know, it doesn't have to be the same three items that mm-hmm. you've been talking about all the way through because maybe those aren't the things that needed repairs. Yeah. So do show us three actual repairs um, to, to satisfy this question mm-hmm. as opposed to the absence of repairs. Um, which is is sometimes what we see. Right. But um, if you didn't have three repairs carried out through the year, this would be something you could use your auditor's notes to explain to us. Yes. Okay. Um, And it's better to explain that in the auditor's notes than not submit anything or only submit one example, because then we would assume that um, you just weren't meeting the criteria. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely use those auditor notes to uh, fill us in. Um, Okay, 7.6. Does a competent or qualified worker perform the inspection and maintenance? Awesome. So really just make sure that you're verifying this one with documentation. It's tempting sometimes to just explain this to us in the auditor's notes, Mm -hmm. um, but we, we do need to verify with documentation. So If you do use a third party exclusively for your preventative maintenance, uh, as well as your inspection, you can show us invoices of those actions being carried out. Again, uh, we do want to see maintenance covered in here, not just repair. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you are doing things in-house, do show us whatever documentation uh, your company has collected to determine the competency and qualification of that worker to do that specific job. Right. So if you have somebody that's, you know, depending on your company, if you have someone that's specifically designated to um, the servicing and, and maintenance of your, your equipment and, and vehicles, then we wanted mm-hmm. to see, we would want to see their creden- credentials. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, 7.7, the last official question of this uh, element. Mm-hmm. Um, a procedure to effectively remove overdue and or defective tools, equipment and vehicles from service. Awesome. So this question is one where we really need to dig into the wording because there's a lot that's in there and sort of it's very tempting to overlook the parts that we're maybe not doing as readily in the system. And and therefore the scoring ends up not being validated just because a, a component of it wasn't represented in your submission. So by that, I mean, um, look at look at what it's saying in terms of overdue and or defective tools. So often we see procedures that address, you know, your damaged and your damaged uh, defective items being removed from service, but not necessarily addressing items that have gone overdue for service. Mm -hmm. But as we saw in, you know, the earlier parts of this element, preventing things from going over those those thresholds is a key part of this program. Mm -hmm. So it really does need to be included in your procedures and and captured in 7.7. And again, tools, equipment, and vehicles. So make sure that all of those things are captured in the procedures that you're you're presenting us. Right. So if we're talking about the the skid steer example, mm-hmm. um, you know, you would want to have something in your procedure that says, you know, what are you doing when a skid steer or a piece of equipment um, goes over the 50 hour service mark, right? right. Yeah. Are you, are you tagging it? Are you removing it? How are you removing it from, um, from use, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, so I know like for me with uh, the submission um, or with submissions, I often see that uh, people confuse this um, with providing a copy of their lockout tagout procedure, yeah. um, which, you know, it covers components, right? Like it is, you know, removing something like energized, <laughs> um, de-energizing, right? Mm -hmm. De-energizing equipment. So that, you know, it's obviously a very important part of, um, a very important procedure to have, but in the context of this question, um, it doesn't really meet the requirements uh, to prove that uh, the organization has the, this proper procedure in place uh, to remove the defective equipment um, or equipment that's overdue for service. So that's something that I, you know, I just wanted to bring up here because it is uh, definitely, I see it a lot. Yeah, we do. It, it's, I think it's something to do with the language in terms of lockout tagout mm -hmm. and the fact that a lot of people's procedures for removing defective equipment include a, a tagging out process. Right. And so the, the language overlap there seems to cause some of the confusion, but I'm right with you there, Stacey, mm -hmm. you know, the lockout tagout procedure in this case. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, like you said, it's vital and it might even be part of the repair process but it it's not going to satisfy 7.7 .7. right okay um so now we're finished all the actual questions for this element and um i just want to get your um you know final thoughts on this element is there anything that um is kind of you know we we didn't discuss or anything else that you want to kind of add in yeah so i guess the the, the thing that i always kind of like to acknowledge with this one as well is that this particular element is often the one that is the most removed from the average sort of safety uh, coordinator, health and safety coordinator for a company's um, normal day to day. Right. This is often something that's handled by a different department mm -hmm. to them. And what I've seen is a lot of people struggle to get change uh, in terms of the processes for this department, because it's not something that's typically seen as under their work umbrella. Mm -hmm. And so this is one where there's often a need to really integrate more than one department, more than just safety and, and the preventative maintenance departments as well, likely. Yeah. And so again, it goes back to the real requirement for senior management commitment to mm -hmm. this process mm -hmm. and, and their true support to make sure that, you know, all departments are really embracing this concept of, of system and, and the benefits of it. Yeah, I would tend to agree, um, especially I know for from my own experience, um, and, and you, you'd be probably the same that, you know, as a safety person, I wasn't really involved in, you know, the preventative maintenance for vehicles and, and stuff like that, right? So it did take... Um, coordination of departments and um, definitely that top-down management um, influence to uh, to coordinate this. Yeah. Um, okay, so one thing that I wanted to bring up that um, I just wanted to mention from question 7.1 is one of the things that uh, I often see left out of this question um, in the submission. So, um, you know, this the statement does read um, does the company's preventative maintenance program for facilities, tools, equipment, and vehicles include an inventory of items to be maintained? Um, and, you know, like you had said before, you know, we, we, we often get an inventory of, you know, assets, right? But we also, um, even companies that do do a good job at per providing uh, a, a comprehensive list of um, items that need to be maintained, um, one of the things that they often forget, or let's say two of the things. So one I'm going to say first is the facilities. Um, so 
you know, what kind of uh, preventative maintenance uh, needs to happen at your facilities. And often that is uh, left out, uh, mm -hmm. overlooked. Um, so and everybody's facility is going to be different, uh, you know, what type of building they're in um, and, and whatnot. But that's something that needs to be considered. Um, and then additionally, when we're talking about equipment, uh, it's important not to forget the actual safety equipment because there is equipment um, that is safety equipment that also requires pre uh, preventative maintenance. So, you know, let's talk about fire extinguishers. For example, they are required to be inspected on a monthly basis. However, on an annual basis, there is pre a preventative maintenance um uh, requirement, right? So we want to make sure that when you are doing your inventory of items that you are considering any maintenance, uh, sorry, any, any safety equipment, um, you know, defibrillators, like all that kind of stuff. Right. So definitely something I wanted to bring up, uh, in this element. That's a really good point. And I think that that also highlights the incredible interrelationship between all the elements that you see in this, in this tool. Mm -hmm. For sure. Okay, well, um, that concludes our discussion. So thanks so much for uh, coming in and, and doing this topic with me. Um, this is one element that I know a lot of people struggle with. So I think that um, this will be really uh, helpful for organizations. And, um, you know, as, as long as we can get our heads wrapped around, you know, what is preventative maintenance and, uh, you know, what each question is asking for, then um, I think that people will be able to be more successful on this if they are able to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Thank you. The IHSA Safety Podcast. For more episodes, tips, and all things safety, go to ihsasafetypodcast.ca. Thanks for listening.